This message was recorded at an In Christ Together event, a series of weekends hosted by local churches on behalf of Christ Central. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. Greetings from God's own county of Yorkshire. Any Yorkshiremen? Yay! Uh, Ruth and I have the privilege of uh, leading the Ark Church in Huddersfield. We uh, planted the church four years ago. And uh, we next year are planting uh, a new church in Halifax, which is just over the other side. Did I hear a whoop for Halifax? I'm recruiting later. Um, uh, just over the other side of the M62. Uh, it's great to be here. Can I just uh, say on behalf of the team a great big thank you uh, for your giving this afternoon, generous giving. Not just today, but uh, many of you I know through over many years, going right back to Stonely Bible Week, 10 years at the north, and giving from your churches into Christ Central as well, and then giving this afternoon. We thank you uh, on behalf of the team so much for that. It enables us to push on apostolically around the world, plant churches uh, in the UK and increasingly to uh, sow seeds in terms of social action projects as well. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, can I just um, add an amendment to one of Graham's notices this morning? Uh, when you book in for Devoted next year, um, if you want to go into the adult creche, otherwise known as the main meeting, then that's fine. But the best place to be next year at Devoted will be serving as part of one of our Going Bananas teams. Um, so our kids work at Devoted was going to build on 10 excellent years at uh, the North Camp. Uh, our youth provision called Amplify will be bigger and better. And uh, if you're interested in serving and working uh, with us, have a word with me at the end of the meeting today. Um, okay. How are we going to respond to Jeremy's... Uh, message this morning. I don't know about you, but just had a great lunch, so I feel a little bit sort of like, uh, but the teaching, it's the word of God, isn't it? And I feel as though we've had a wonderful feast uh, this morning, some wonderful um, teaching, apostolic uh, teaching from that great book of Ephesians, and I'm not going to try and do an exposition on the last three chapters. If you've got your Bible with you, you might want to open it. I am going to read some verses out, but I feel as though we've had this wonderful meal and the great temptation sometimes is, you know, when you've had a meal, is to flob out on the sofa, <laughs> switch the TV on or the DVD or whatever, and just go, whatever. The whole point of what Jeremy was bringing to us this morning is that we don't just sort of take on board the word and just go, but it energizes us, it drives us forward, it fills us so that we grow into being the men and women of God that God intended us to be and we build the churches and plant new churches that God wants us to do. How are we going to actually do that? Now Jeremy um, brought lots of application woven in with the theology. I, uh, he talked about random acts of kindness. I particularly picked up on the apostolic commandment to drink beer I don't know if you noticed that that was in there. I know it was Guinness, but, you know, drink beer. And to start football teams. This is good news, folks. Okay? The apostolic command to drink beer and start football teams. But in the second half of the book of Ephesians, Paul just gives verse after verse after verse of wonderful application. 
all the teaching and theology that is woven into the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians, in the second half, in the last three chapters, there's all this wonderful stuff. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul starts, he says, I therefore urge you, I therefore urge you. It's like, I've laid it all out for you. First three chapters, you're in Christ. What a, what a wonderful work God has done in you. You're in Christ. You can never lose that. I urge you, therefore. I therefore urge you. And if you, he's really saying this is important stuff. But there's more. There's now things to do. These works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Paul's saying, if you read through the last three chapters, Jeremy was saying that, was it something like 14 or whatever, in Christ in the first 14 verses. If you read the last three chapters in the book of Ephesians, you'll find that there are lots of therefores and so then. He's saying, because of this, therefore, because of who you are in Christ, let's be like this and let do, let's do this. Chapter 4, verse 1. He's saying, because we are in Christ, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Verse 2. Practice humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now that's enough application for most of us to take home. I think if we all took that home and we applied that, hey, this would have been a well worthwhile conference. Practice humility. I love that. It's a doing word, practice. You know, I need to be more humble. Hey, we don't look for it to descend from on high. You know, suddenly, ooh, I feel humble today. No, Paul says practice humility. Practice it. Practice gentleness. Oh, I'm just not a very gentle, you know, I'm quite, you know. No, practice gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Um, Verse 11 to 12, Paul says, use the gifts that he gives us for the equipping of the saints for works of ministry. Verse 15, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, speak the truth in love. Verse 17 in chapter 4. We're not to walk in the way of the Gentiles. And then he goes on in verse 22, 24. But to put off our old selves and be renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new self. Put it on, this new self. Yeah, we're, we're in Christ, but there's almost a sense of right. So therefore put it on. Put this Christ-like Character and attitude on, put it on, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, Verse 26, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now this is one that is particularly close to my heart, or or should I say my wife Ruth's heart, Um, particularly lasting at night, as invariably I'm just sort of dropping off to sleep. And I'll, I'll get this nudge that says, you remember how you spoke to me earlier on today? Well, the word of God says, do not let the sun go down on your, on your, on your anger. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah, but do not let, so, you know, do not let, sort it out. If you've messed up during the day, if you've been angry, said a crossword, whatever, sort it out. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. 
along with all malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another. An apostolic command, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. Wonderful stuff, there's so much in there. And that's just chapter 4. <laughs> that's just chapter 4. There's so much more in chapters 5 and 6. So my, if you like, apostolic command to you, the first one to take away with, is read it. <laughs> Go away and read it. This week, read the other 70-odd verses that Jeremy didn't teach on this morning, because he only pulled three out of the first three chapters. Hey, read the rest. How are you doing with your Bible reading? It's great to come for conferences and so on and so forth. I don't know when we'll do this again. Um, but, hey, get hold of the scriptures. Read the Bible. Read chapters 4, 5, and 6. And do these things. Put these things on. Um, let me just pull one out before... Um, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Here's an apostolic command. If you're a husband here today, would you like to stand up, please? If you are a husband... Please stand. Here's the apostolic command to you guys. Husbands, love your wives. <laughs> Where was the amen? I expected more amens. <laughs> There's a lot. Let me say it again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You may sit down. Hey, making a little bit of a, a joke of that, but if that happens more as a result of this conference, wow, we'll have some churches to win the world. Husbands, love your wives. Now you husbands may be saying, hey, hang on a minute, what about verse 22? Okay, hey, listen, if husbands love their wives as Jesus loved the church, then wives have got absolutely no, no problem at all. In submitting to their husbands. Okay? Starts with us guys. In my world. Husbands love your wives. And I'm speaking to myself. But I wanna, what I want to do is just to... We're going to pray in a little while. Just to bring uh, the day to an end. We're going to pray. And I want to bring just three other key points that uh, go right throughout the book. Uh, particularly in the last three chapters. Three things that Jeremy has referred to and he spoke about. But these are three things I think particularly... Uh, I, I think God would have us take away, if you like, as a God's action plan for today, for us to take away uh, with us. And when I finish, we want to pray, uh, and we want to pray in particular uh, for the Midlands churches. We want to pray for you churches. And the first thing I want to just pick up on is this, and put this, if you like, as a from the team, an apostolic commission, an apostolic charge. There's no rocket science in any of this. As Jeremy said this morning, my first thing is this. I want to charge you, and we as a team want to commission you, to speak about Jesus on all occasions with courage and with boldness. Ephesians 6, verse 19 to 20. If you're with me, you might just want to look at that. Ephesians 6. Paul says this, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador 
in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now it would be quite wrong of us, as sometimes happens, to think that Paul is particularly here taking on the role of evangelist. And here's an evangelist who's you know, about to conduct a series of um, gospel-type meetings and gospel-type preaching occasions, and he's asking them to preach for Paul, the evangelist. That is quite wrong of us to do that. These verses apply to everybody who preaches and teaches. Pray also for me, Paul says, that whenever I open my mouth, I may speak about Jesus. To make known the mystery of the gospel. To make Jesus known. To show how we are in Christ. To lead people into Christ. To lead people to Christ. That's the goal of preaching. And that's what we want to see happening in our churches. Not just evangelistic occasions. But to preach the gospel. To make known the mystery of the gospel. To those of us who are in Christ. And those of us who are not yet in Christ. To preach Jesus. That should be the prayer for all those who preach and teach. I'm going to get a few standing up sessions this morning. It's the afternoon slot, you see. So I'm I'm already seeing a few people after the wonderful meal. If you are a preacher or teacher, if you preach or teach in church or on Alpha or whatever, would you like to stand? If you are a preacher or a teacher, whether you do it regularly, occasionally or whatever. And we want to pray for you. Now, some of you will be looking around at those who preach and teach to you and in you in your churches. Here's your opportunity to pray for them. So I want you to get up now and I want you to go and lay hands on these people. I want us to pray for our preachers and teachers that they will make known the mystery of the gospel. Um, that they will preach Jesus fearlessly and courageously. So come on, on your feet. Come on, I'm going to give you two or three minutes. I want you to go. I want everyone who stood up, put your hand up if you stood up so we don't get mixed up. There's loads of people over there. There's a gaggle of preachers just over there. So we need lots of people to go and lay hands on them. Um, Jeremy here front, Graham here, come on. I want everyone, if you haven't got anybody praying for you yet, put your hand up. Don't talk, pray for them. Just pray, pray that when they preach and teach a new confidence and courage to make known the mystery of the gospel. Come on, just pray your best prayer over them. You've got about two minutes to do this. Father God, I just want to pray um, over uh, these men and women who preach and teach uh, amongst us. And we pray for each one, Lord, for a fresh anointing to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We pray, Lord God, that they would speak about Jesus. They would preach about Jesus. They would explain about Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, in each and every church that our churches would become places where people meet with Jesus. And they meet with Jesus because the mystery of the gospel is fearlessly proclaimed amongst them. So bless them, Lord. Fill them with the Spirit. Anoint them now for those preaching, teaching tomorrow in the weeks ahead. Bless them, Lord. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, take a seat. If that's the first time that you can remember praying for those who preach and teach amongst you for a long time, something's wrong. (laughs) Pray for your preachers and teachers. Make sure the opportunities are there. However, Paul does not say in verse 19, pray also for me whenever I preach. What he says was, if you look at the scripture, pray also for me whenever I open my mouth. Not whenever I preach or whenever I teach, whenever I open my mouth. This verse, these verses apply to all of us. To all of us who open our mouths. Open your mouth. Say Jesus. Well done. Pray for me. We can all speak about Jesus. Anybody heard of uh, Penn Gillette? Yeah? Penn and Teller. You heard of Penn and Teller? They were sort of... Um, well, he's, he's an avowed atheist, actually. They're part of a sort of um, comic illusionist type act. And Penn Gillette is, a, is, a, is an atheist. He's quite vocal about that. Um, but sometime last year, I think it was, um, Penn Gillette, uh, uh, he met a Christian, a young guy who tried to speak to him about Jesus. And Penn Gillette said he was a, a polite and impressive young man. And afterwards, Pendulette was interviewed and he said this. He said, so this is Pendulette speaking. He said, I've always said, you know, that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Now, proselytize means to evangelize, in effect, to, to speak about Jesus. He said, I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell, or not getting eternal life, or whatever. And you think that, well, it's not really worth telling people about this, because it would be a bit socially awkward. Well, how much do you actually have to hate somebody not to proselytize? Okay? How much do you have to actually hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it? I mean... This is an atheist. If I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were walking across a road and a truck was hurtling down the road at you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I rugby tackle you and get you out of the way. And he said, surely this is more important than that. Now that's an atheist speaking. If we believe what we believe, what's going on if we don't tell people about it? An interesting words from a, an atheist. Now brothers and sisters, we, we can't rugby tackle people into the kingdom. So when Jeremy was doing his illustration with Michael this morning, yeah, and, and sort of physically dragged him over here, okay, that was really what he was sort of modeling there was the, the Holy Spirit grabbing us, God grabbing us and drawing us into the kingdom. We can't drag people kicking and screaming into the kingdom. Okay, that's not how we do it. But we can tell people about Jesus. We can speak to them about Jesus. It's God who saves people, but he uses us in the great adventure of seeing people saved. You see... 
Paul didn't just preach about Jesus. He spoke about Jesus to anybody and everybody on every opportunity. He explained about Jesus to people. The first thing Paul did when he arrived in Ephesus, so we're looking at the book of Ephesians today, we read about what happened, what actually happened when Paul went to Ephesus in the book of Acts. And in Acts 19, the first thing that Paul did when he arrived in Ephesus, he didn't arrive in Ephesus thinking, right, we need to plant a church here, so you'll do, you'll do. You know, you can be this leader, you can lead the worship, uh, you can arrange the PA, whatever. No, the first thing Paul did, he went into the synagogue and spoke to the Jews about Jesus. He, he spoke about Jesus. The church got started in Ephesus because he spoke about Jesus. That's, that's, that's how it started. And when Apollos came to Ephesus, Apollos followed on behind Paul. He was another, if you like, in a translocal apostolic ministry. Apollos came to Ephesus and we're told he spoke with great fervor and taught the people about Jesus accurately. Taught the Jews about Jesus accurately. And, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I love this bit, but then it says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Apollos had been speaking about Jesus accurately, but it says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, this is verse 25 in Acts 18, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. <laughs> so Apollos, you know, the apostle, you know, spoke about it accurately, but then Priscilla and Aquila just invited him around for lunch after the meeting and explained it to him in a bit more detail, a bit more accurately. What a great ministry. You don't have to be the preacher-teacher to speak about Jesus. We're all called in this wonderful ministry to speak about Jesus. Some of you may know the uh, evangelist J. John. He um, says that in regard to speaking about Jesus, most Christians in England are like Arctic rivers, frozen at the mouth. Guys, we need to speak about Jesus. The task of making known the mystery of the gospel. Even when Paul was writing this book to the church in Ephesus, he wasn't preaching because he was actually in jail. He was in prison, <laughs> probably um, chained up to his Roman guards. <laughs> so he was speaking to them about Jesus. It's not preaching as we know it with a lectern with a hole full of people. He couldn't preach, but it didn't stop him speaking about Jesus. We can all do it. Statistics continue to show that actually somewhere like three out of every ten people would accept an invitation to come to church if a Christian friend invited them. Three out of every ten. Thirty percent of people say, yes, I'd come if a friend invited me to church. Now, in our day, there is this sort of movement, you know, sort of thing. Ah, what about the 70%? We need to do church differently. Well, yeah, we need some new approaches. Hey, but let's get the 30% who say they would come. <laughs> come on, let's invite the 30%. Let's talk to them about Jesus. And what a wonderful opportunity coming up in the next few weeks. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christ is coming. Let's talk to people about... Jesus. Anybody here from Leicester? I'm going to speak about Jesus tomorrow morning. 
I want to encourage you. <laughs> I want to encourage you. If you know someone who needs to hear about Jesus, you've got about less than 24 hours to get on the phone or text them or whatever and invite them to come. Come on, let's talk about Jesus. Second thing. So the first thing is, speak about Jesus. That's how church in Ephesus got started. Let's speak about Jesus, all of us, on every occasion with boldness and confidence. Secondly, we want to charge you, and Jeremy's talked about this, commission you to build churches and to plant other churches. To build churches and to plant other churches. We've only got this letter that we call Ephesians. Because there was a church in Ephesus that got started. You know, Paul and the team planted the church. But it wasn't just Paul. Um, we know that Timothy was involved. A guy called Erastus was involved. Priscilla and Aquila, as we've already seen, were involved. Another guy called Gaius and Aristarchus from Macedonia. You can read about them in Acts 19 were involved. A guy called Tychicus. Tychicus. Can't say it. Tychicus. He's mentioned in Ephesians 6 verse 21. He was involved as well. There was a whole team of people involved in planting and starting this church in Ephesus. Building churches and planting new ones is a team activity. But it's what we do together. We're in Christ together. It's what those who are in Christ do. We come together in Christ. And we build churches. And we plant churches. We need to plant churches. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus says, Jeremy referred to this, go into all the world and what? Make disciples. Make disciples. Disciples are made in church. Disciples are made in the local church. Jesus' commission... And by the way, it was the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, not a great suggestion. Okay? It was the Great Commission, make disciples. Not to make converts, not to get responses to the gospel, but to make disciples. And becoming a Christian is usually a, a, a series of mini decisions over a period of time. Yes, there could be one great and glorious moment... When you become a Christian, so for me it was the 20th of October 1989 at 10 minutes to 10 in the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. But actually, there were a load of important events that happened before that and a load of important events that happened after that. Becoming in Christ a Christian is usually a series of mini events, a process over a period of time. And that happens in fellowship with other believers. With others who are in Christ in church. So if we're going to make disciples, disciples are going to be made in churches. So we need to build churches, good, strong churches. And we need to build churches that will plant other churches. So that we can make some disciples over there as well. It, this is the commission. We must build churches. We must plant more churches. When we were all singing... Um, Sorry, I've forgotten who brought that song this morning. Was it Tim? Uh, Here I am, send me. That, uh, God gave me the passage in Acts 13 this morning, 
where God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, because I'm going to send them. And I think God wants to do some sending as a result of today. We're going to pray for that um, in a few moments. But where is he going to send us? I'm sorry I wasn't able to be there last last night, but here in churches are names of towns and cities where God is placing on our hearts. Shout them out for us, Michael. Utoxeter. Anywhere else? Come on, let's shout out some names, some places. Leek. Who's God going to send to Leek to plant a church in Leek? Anybody else? What is God saying? Where else is on our hearts as a group of churches? Where do we want to see churches planted around the Midlands? And, sorry? Ashbourne. What a wonderful place to plant a church. God, send me to Ashbourne. <laughs> Anywhere else? Newcastle underline. Litchfield. Anywhere else? Sorry? Hinkley. Definitely Hinkley. Near where my in-laws live. We need to see churches planted in these places. And, and don't get me wrong, there are wonderful churches, I'm sure, in these places. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who don't go to church. Someone said to me, quite a few people said to me four years ago, why are you starting a new church in Huddersfield when there are already so many churches? Anybody heard that one? Why plant churches when there are so many churches? Well, the, the sad fact of the matter is that there are 368,000 people who live in the Huddersfield district. And I imagine that on a Sunday morning, there are only maybe 10,000 people at most who go to church. We need more churches. We need to see more churches planted so that we can make more disciples. We're going to pray um, in a few minutes. And we I really believe that God wants to send some people. Now, it may well be, hey, putting new towns, new cities on your hearts, but it may also be about actually being commissioned to step up and being sent into new areas of leadership where you are at the moment, or as Jeremy was saying earlier, about leading not just in the church sent, but in the world. And maybe God wants to commission you and confirm in you that, yeah, I want you to be the, the person who puts the, the milk with a post-it sticker in your workplace, in the fridge in your place. Or loads of those other examples that Jeremy gave this morning. We want to pray for that. But just before we do, the third thing is this. The key apostolic commission that comes out of the book of Ephesians, the second half, is this. Is that if we're going to speak about Jesus on all occasions, if we're going to build churches and plant churches, if we're going to be the men and women that God wants us really to be, then we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first thing Paul did when he arrived in Ephesus was to speak about Jesus. He then moved on and left Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos to build the church. But then he went back to Ephesus. Paul went back to Ephesus in Acts 19. And the first thing he did was to check that the Christians there were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read about that in chapter 19. 
And in the second half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he commands them, in chapter 5 verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit. And many of you will know, perhaps most of us know, we've heard it so many times, in the original Greek, the sense is that we are to, be go- we are to go on being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-off occasion. We are to go on being filled with the Spirit, if we are to be the men and women that God wants us to be. And if we're to apply into our lives all this wonderful teaching from Jeremy this morning, and for that to really mean something, for us to be lights in our workplace, in our homes, and in our cities and towns, we must be filled with the Spirit. And in, in Ephesians 5 verse 18, it's a command. It's not even an encouragement. Ooh, you know, all this stuff, you, you might just like to be filled with the Spirit. That, that'd be a good, you know, that's a good idea as well. Or, or here's an optional extra for the really passionate ones amongst you. You know, those of you, or, or those of you who really want to be evangelistic and speak about Jesus, you might just want to, you know, perhaps get filled with the Spirit. No, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command to go on being filled with the Spirit. If you are in Christ, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And as a a team here this morning, and as part of that team, we want to issue this exhortation and command to you, go on being filled with the Spirit. We must be filled with the Spirit. Now, as Jeremy was explaining this morning, or it may have been Graham, Christ Central Churches is one of these spheres in this new era of sphericalization. So, you know, and there are some of us who have been around, and some of you have been around here for many years, um, and we're having to adjust, and we're having to get used to what that actually means. Um, this is not a time for looking back and sort of. Oh, do you remember the good old days when we used to go to the Stonely Bible Week? Or we used to have prayer and fasting in this place, national prayer and fasting in this very hall, where there, were no, there was no room for tables at the back, because it was packed out with chairs and with people. And eventually, after many years, we had to move out of here and move into a bigger place in Peterborough. That's when... We didn't have these spheres, we just had new frontiers, UK and around the world, and we all got together. Hey, we've moved on from there, it's all got bigger, and we're into this new, new phase of getting used to being a little bit smaller, and being responsible ourselves. So, you know, Jer- um, Graham explaining that we've all got to fill in new forms, because we're now Christ Central, and everything about new frontiers, and, and gift aid forms with new frontiers, that's in the past. There's no point in looking back and remember the good old days. But I'll tell you what, it is a time for standing up, and defending what Terry Virgo and his band of brothers fought for 30, 40 years ago, and that is the rightful place of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christians and the lives of our churches. And we can't back down on that in this new era of sphericalization, neither in this new era of contextualization. Coming out with some big words here, I hate them. <laughs> contextualization, ooh. You can't do that on a Sunday morning. People will think you're strange. People will think you're weird. 
Remember the context. We're in the 21st century now. No one out there believes in your God. They think you're all going to be weird if you're speaking in tongues or singing in tongues and you're dialing down on the Holy Spirit. Contextualization. You've got to get the tech context right. We're living in post-Christian, post-Christendom. So you, you, we've got to dial down on the supernatural. We've got to dial, cut back. Don't go down that road. Don't do it. Preachers, teachers, lead people, leaders of churches, lead your people into the presence of God. Do you know what? Even the atheists are doing church these days. There was an article on, uh, I saw it uh, earlier this year. Uh, it was on Look North, which is our BBC2 equivalent. comes on just before the one show. Um, and there was this article about an atheist church in Leeds. Anybody heard of an atheist church? And, and the guy that they were interviewing from the atheist church was saying, he said something like, why is it that the Christians should have all the fun? <laughs> why should they have the monopoly on fellowship and meeting together? We want to do that as well. So they were calling themselves the atheist church. It's nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But shall I tell you something? The only difference between them and us is the presence of God. The only difference is the Holy Spirit. And church, without Christian church without the Holy Spirit, is as nonsensical to me and to scripture as an atheist church. And if we dial back on it, folks, we've lost it. We must be filled with the Spirit. Our churches must be temples of the living God where we come in to meet with the presence of God. Hey, it's great to meet with one another on a Sunday morning. It's been great to meet each other today, to meet people from other churches, new friends, old friends. But we must meet with God. <laughs> we must meet with God. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Which the scriptures clearly speak to us about. Have you been filled with the Spirit in the last few weeks, months, years? Oh, I remember that time. It was Stonely Bible Week, 1995. Some of you were even born. Hey, there were Christians who have not had a powerful encounter with the presence of the living God in that time. And it's nonsense. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. God is not reluctant to fill us with His Spirit, to baptize us with the Holy Spirit of God. And if we're going to be the men and the women that God wants us to be, if we're going to build churches that are contrast communities, that are a contrast to the communities in which we're going to live, and if we're going to be... Planting churches, we must be filled with the Spirit. Amen? Let's stand. And let's ask God to do that. Um, if we could have the band back up, that would be good. We're going to, we're going to worship God. And we're going to pray. Um, there are one or two, I know, prophetic words and things that people have given to people um, 
to pray for. First of all, I just want us to be filled with the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we say we are thirsty for more of you. We say we are needy of you. We say, Lord, that we want to be the people who make a difference in our towns, in our cities, in our communities, in our workplace. Lord, we say we want to build churches. We want to plant new churches. We want to be leaders in business, in education, in the health service. But Lord God, we say we need your spirit. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Father, right across this room, you would just simply come and fill with your Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God, right around this room. Father, we're not looking for strange encounters, (laughs) but Lord, whatever you want to do with us, we say, come. But Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit, come in power, melt hearts, change hearts, empower lives. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit.